Hey guys, it's me. Not that you were expecting anyone else. Anyways, Gaming After College has a sponsor. I know, right? We're getting with the times. It's pretty exciting. Anyways, our sponsor of today's episode is Anchor. Anchor is a brand new service that lets you make podcasts, and they make it very easy to do so. All you need to do to make a podcast is right there on their app and right there on their website. On top of that, they handle automatic distribution of your podcast to various different platforms. So you don't have to do anything with RSS feeds. And then they look for sponsorships for your podcast with absolutely no minimum amount of listenership, which is great for me because I think I only have five of you guys out there listening to my beautiful voice and uh, keep going. Thanks, guys. The best part about Anchor, it's absolutely 100% free. So what are you waiting for? Go and try it out. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to Gaming After College, the only podcast that helps you manage your gaming time and your busy life. This is your host, Mandy, speaking. So first off for this week, we're going to begin with some news, some new games, games that I'm playing, and we're going to do a review. And this week, we're going to review Jurassic World Evolution. Let's get started. All right, so news. The next few games coming out in the next few months are going to be amazing. So, for example, we got Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out. So any uh, Red Red Dead Redemption 1 fans, bet you're looking forward to that. And we got Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, which uh, I can talk about more in a different episode. But it is going to be the first Pokemon games to unveil on the Switch. And they're not considered core games. So for anyone out there who is a Pokemon game fan and you don't like the mechanics of the games, if you've seen it, it looks a lot like Pokemon Go for those that don't know. No fear. It is not a core game. So this is more like a spinoff. It's more like they're just trying new things. However, it is based on Pokemon Yellow. So that holds a special place in my heart. I've already pre-ordered Let's Go Pikachu. So I will talk about it when the time comes. And another game that's coming out in the next few months is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. For if anyone who's heard the Assassin's Creed review episode for Assassin's Creed Origins, you may know that I am a huge fan of Assassin's Creed, and I'm looking forward to Odyssey. I will probably not buy it when it comes out, only because only because I have other games I want to play, and if I just wait, I save a couple bucks. So I only ever buy a game when it comes out if it's like a huge deal, um, like Spider-Man, for example. Or if I have a big group of friends who want to play it together, so when there's like a Call of Duty release. But I will definitely pick up an Odyssey probably a few months after it comes out. However, this is a great segue into news. So Ubisoft announced on September 13th that they are going to have a season pass, obviously, included with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And in this season pass, you're going to get... A couple of different missions, a couple of different you know things to get going, and it's gonna have a six month cycle. The uh, the DLC, the season pass, and in March of 2019, if for those who hold the, the season pass for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, they will get included with the season pass a remaster of Assassin's Creed Three, which I spoke about, I believe, a few episodes ago. And it is one of my favorite Assassin's Creed games because it takes place during colonial America, during the revolution. 
And, uh, you know, when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, I kind of need to buy this. I kind of need to get Assassin's Creed Odyssey and get the DLC. However, I'm not down to spend 60 bucks for a video game. And then maybe I believe it's 25 for the DLC. So Ubisoft did announce that you can buy Assassin's Creed 3 Remaster in March of next year when it comes out for everyone else. You can buy it as a standalone purchase, which is great, which is exactly what I'm going to do. However, I don't have a price. They haven't released a price, but the fact that it's coming is pretty awesome. Up next in news, this week, I believe, is the unveiling this week coming up, or this week, actually, is the unveiling of Nintendo Switch's online mode. So for those that don't know, the Nintendo Switch released with online capabilities. Um, you could play Splatoon with your friends or Mario Kart online. Um, however, there wasn't... Uh, there was talk and rumblings that Nintendo was going to pursue a sort of Xbox Live, PlayStation Plus sort of environment where you have to pay to pay to play online and you get like goodies every month. So not much is known yet about the Nintendo Switch Online. It is a subscription-based service, just like uh, PlayStation Plus, where you pay a, a yearly fee or monthly fee even. And it is a lot cheaper than what PlayStation Plus is offering. So, And for anyone who's wondering why I'm not talking about Xbox, it's because I don't have an Xbox. I only have PlayStation and PC and a DS. So I know for PlayStation Plus, I pay a little over $100 a year just to renew. And uh, it's it's pretty legit. I get games every month. In fact, this month, for those of you who have PlayStation Plus, you can get Destiny 2 for free. Um, well, it's included in your PlayStation Plus subscription. So make sure you go ahead and download that. I downloaded it already. I just have not played it yet because it's pretty beefy and I got other things to play. So as for Nintendo Switch Online, um, for those of you who are wondering how much it's going to cost, it, a 12-month subscription will run you about 20 bucks, and a one-month will be about $4, and three months will be $8 a month. So it's cheaper. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be worth it yet. You will be able to upload your saves to the cloud um, with this subscription, and you will get uh, free games. Um, as of right now, it's just Nintendo. Um, I'm sorry. It, for right now, it's just NES titles so you, you can get and SNES titles, I believe, that you're going to get for free uh, as part of this model. Uh, no idea if they're going to release more modern games, so I don't expect them to have uh, Ocarina of Time for free or included with the subscription. Uh, but hey, maybe they'll prove me wrong. For those of you who uh, want to read up more about the, uh, the NES online service, I will include a link to the Polygon article that I read a few days ago regarding it, and um, that way you guys can read it up on Polygon. And lastly in news, in the last two weeks, uh, Destiny 2 released uh, their new DLC. And I'm hearing great things about this DLC. I actually have not played Destiny 2. Like I said, I did download it because uh, it was for free. But I have heard amazing things about the DLC. So for those of you who want to get back into Destiny or who have not played it and maybe want to play it, it is a MMO type of game. It's a shooter. And I that's about all I know about it, unfortunately. I have a lot of friends that do end up playing it and they, they think it's great and I cannot stop hearing them about this DLC. So be sure to check it out if you're interested. All right. So before we get to the review, I'm going to include a different section. Um, I probably won't do this every week. Uh, that's only because uh, this is a two week bot. Uh, this is a two month. Um, this is a biweekly podcast and I'll probably be repeating myself a lot, but I will be talking about what am I playing? And uh, like I said, I have a full-time job. I work 40 hours a week 
and I have time to play games, thankfully, um, among recording this podcast and doing all my other personal stuff. So I wanted to give an insight as to what I'm playing and why I'm playing it. And maybe you guys can base off how you play with this method. So how I play is really simple. I never want to keep more than two or three games in a nice rotation for, you know, forever, pretty much. So I have my routine. I will come back to this game because it's a comfort game and it's a pickup game. And that game is Fortnite, which I've been playing steadily for about eight months now. And that is my pickup game. I just pick it up and play it. And some and a lot of my friends end up playing it too. So it, it makes it for easy collaboration. I can just pick up my PS4 controller and message my, my buddy Rafa. And then they're like, hey, let's play. And that's what you end up doing. Uh, so that one is just my steady game, pretty much. And the other two games I'm playing currently... Uh, is Super Mario Odyssey, which I picked up in March, and I've completed about half of the, half of it, and I just sort of stopped. So I kind of need to get back in that. Um, but that's on my Nintendo Switch, and it's a pretty decent game, and I will probably review it once I finish it. And then the last game I'll be playing, I, the last game I am playing, is Spider-Man. And that game is absolutely amazing, pretty much. Uh, I can praise it all day, and... If I'm not careful, I will praise it all day and just bore you guys. Um, however, for those of you who are interested, for those of you who have a, have a PlayStation 4 and are interested, I will, I totally recommend buying it. It is an amazing game. The web dynamics, the web slinging is super fluid and it's just amazing. The story mode itself is actually really cool. And for those of you who are uber hardcore fans of Marvel and Spider-Man, there's a lot of callbacks to the comics and a lot of callbacks to uh, Peter Parker's upbringing. Um, for those of you who don't know, the game starts out with you already having your powers. So it's not an origin story. You start out, I think, five years into having your powers. And uh, it's a really interesting storyline. I have not finished it. In fact, I'm trying to control myself to stop playing it. Because in the first weekend, I was already close to 30% completion, which made me a little sad because it either means it's a short game or I have no life in the past weekend. And therefore, I've just been playing Spider-Man the whole time. Either way, I'm, uh, I got to ration it pretty much. Um, however, uh, for those of you who are playing it or are interested in playing it, Polygon has a great set of guides and articles that they have for Spider-Man. And I'm going to include it in the description of the episode. Um, and also, furthermore, I don't work for Polygon. I don't know anyone who works at Polygon, and I'm not getting paid by Polygon. I just find that they have some pretty pretty neat stuff. And uh, it's one of my daily blogs that I open up at work. I'm sorry, uh, websites that I open up at work. So anyways, they have a great collection of articles that I think anyone who's interested in buying this game or anyone who's playing it should definitely read it. All right, let's move on to the review. Gotta relax. This is Earth Radio. And now here's human music. Hmm. Human music. I like it. Alright, so today I'm going to be reviewing Jurassic World Evolution. So for those of you who don't know, 
Uh, I like to do my reviews in two formats. I give a short and skinny version, so that way people could just hear me talk for the less amount of time and then stop playing the podcast. And they can just go ahead and buy the game or not. And then I have a more longer version of the review where I talk about gameplay, development, how long it is to beat, and um, my own experiences and my own opinion. Um, so let's get let's get started on the short and skinny first. So what type of game is Jurassic World Evolution? Essentially, you know Jurassic World, right? The movie and Jurassic Park, right? And you know Roller Coaster Tycoon, or maybe uh, Planet Coaster, or insert building game here. Okay, if those two had a baby, this would be what that game is, pretty much. Uh, so Jurassic World Evolution is actually called a park building or business simulation game. And essentially you build up your own Jurassic World. You start from scratch, you build up a incubation lab where you incubate some dinosaurs and then you uh, let them out into a park and you enclose them in some fences, give them some water and some food. And uh, you can build like viewing stations for guests to look at the, uh, look at the dinosaurs and uh, you make some money. It's pretty cool. It's, 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 uh, if you're a fan of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, it is a awesome game. Uh, because if you're not careful, some of these uh, dinosaurs can actually get out. And I can talk more about this later, but for the short and skinny portion, essentially there's a ton of uh, little things you need to satisfy for, for a dinosaur. So for example, if you have a Stegosaurus, he likes to have a lot of grassland, right? And uh, it tells you um, they have a grassland meter. And if it's not being met, it's going to go into the red, which drops their comfort level. When the comfort level reaches their breaking point and each dinosaur has a breaking point and it, it varies, they will start attacking the fence and they will start to get out and they won't be happy. And then your guests will start running and then your guests can actually be killed or eaten depending on what animal, what dinosaur got out. So I had a T-Rex get out and it was just, he actually didn't kill anyone. He actually destroyed all the other dinosaurs and the other dinosaurs who got out that day were killing everyone else it was ridiculous yeah i had a full-fledged jurassic jurassic park jurassic world disaster and it was hilarious and amazing and i had a lot of fun so who is it for now who's it for is really simple in my opinion if you're a fan of jurassic world and you're and you're you're a fan of uh the overworld godlike god view type of games this is a this is a game for you I totally recommend buying it, and um, if you do buy the deluxe edition, you do get a couple of different dinosaurs and new dinosaurs that you can't get in the regular mode. So go ahead and try that. That's the one I bought, and it was it's pretty awesome. And now for the question that this whole podcast is based on: How long and how much of my time do I have to invest to quote unquote beat this game? So according to how long to beat. Um, this is a website I like to use when I'm looking at new games or just curious about a game. According to how long to beat, if you're just looking to beat the main story, and yes, there is a story and I will get to it, uh, you're looking at around 24 hours of your life. So that's not, that's not too bad. Um, if you're looking to do like maybe the DLC plus some extras and the main story as well, you're looking at around 34, 35 hours. And finally, if you're a completionist who must get everything, you're going to have to invest about 48.5 hours of your time to get everything in this game. Now, how long how long to beat numbers are based on uh, user submitted uh, numbers. So these are just an average. And as for me, so I purchased the game in June and I played it on and off until about a week ago, two weeks ago, and I finished it. 
Uh, I didn't do a completionist. I did get most of it. However, I did get most of, um, most of all the things you can get and unlocked most of the dinosaurs. Um, I think I put in about 34 hours. So it's about on par with that medium one, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, uh, that will conclude the short and skinny version of the review, um, simply because that's all you really need to know. What type of game is it? And what type of gameplay? What's it about? And how long to beat? So let's move on to the long review. So at the end of Jurassic World, um, there was a huge commercial success, right? Um, Jurassic World made a ton of money for Universal Studios, so much so that the Universal Studios Hollywood ride uh, for Jurassic Park is being revamped. And Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom came out mm, over the summer. And I went to go see it. I thought it was okay. It was good. Um, it was a decent uh, adrenaline fic flick, so that's good. And at the, at the end of Jurassic World, um, around that time frame, I think 2015, Universal Studios approached Frontier Development to make a game. So Frontier Development, they are in charge of making one of my favorite games, which is Elite Dangerous, which is a space simulation game. I used to play it a lot, and uh, it's such a time crunch that I just sort of stopped playing it. They also made the game called Planet Coaster, which is a roller coaster building game, and it looks pretty cool. Um, if you just type in Planet Coaster, on YouTube, you're going to find a lot of user creations that are pretty badass. So totally check it out if you're interested. Uh, however, Frontier Developments began development of their game, Jurassic World Evolution, around 2015-2016 timeframe. And they consulted with a ton of people, um, to include Jeff Goldblum, and a lot of people who worked on the movie. So that's pretty awesome. And in the game, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces. In the game, you will see uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, as well as, uh, I believe it's Dr. Wu, um, who was the bad guy in the first two, in the last two movies. And you would also see, uh, you're also gonna see Claire Deering, who is um, uh, the woman who's in the last two movies as well. Uh, she's, she's played by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. And actually, what I thought was pretty cool is that both uh, Jeff Goldblum and Bryce Dallas Howard lended their voice talents to this game, which is pretty cool when you think about it. They they have like, oh, I'm not going to say all the money in the world, but they have a lot more money than me, that's for sure. And, you you know, they, they decided to take some time out of their busy schedule to record audio for the game, which is pretty awesome. So th these people, along with several others, uh, you, you're uh, one of the th main functions of the games is that you're going to have those three people that I just mentioned. Owen Grady, who is played by I like it. the guy who plays Star-Lord, who, oh my god, I am just forgetting his name right now. Um, Chris Pratt, there it is, played by Chris Pratt. Uh, uh, he, now, Chris Pratt didn't lend his voice talents to the game. However, he's also in the game. Uh, there's also the public relations uh, person, who uh, Cabot Finch, I believe. He's like the owner of the park almost. And then you have three division heads that are you need to get to know very intimately during the game, and that is uh, Kajal Dua, who is the head of the science division, Isaac Clement, who is the head of the entertainment division, and then you have George Lambert, who is head of the security division. And these divisions play a huge part in the game. And so at the start of the game, you start in one of five different islands. So essentially, they built up on the lore of Jurassic World and Jurassic Park, in that Isla Nublar, which is where uh, the first Jurassic Park came from, and also uh, Jurassic World, and Jurassic World 2, uh, Isla Nublar isn't the only island. 
there are a system of five islands that all exist not that far from each other. And these islands are where you're going to be playing. So you start in the first island, um, Isla Mantaceros, or Mantanceros. And this is just like your beginner island, essentially. And this is where the game kind of holds your hand for about 25, 30 minutes and how to build, how to make roads. Because remember, you have a God's eye view of the park. You have a limited amount of space to, in which to build and they tell you where and uh, like not where to build, but they tell you like what is the space you have and you build roads so your um, your workers can get to the different locations and your guests can get you can move around. Uh, you also need to build an, a power plant or multiple power plants because you do have to manage power uh, running into all your buildings. And if you have uh, electric fences, then you're going to need power to power those fences or else they're just fences. So there you go. And so in the in the first island, well, in the first island, you're just tasked with just building out some nice herbivores. You don't really get a carnivore until you still get in on the first island, but you don't get it for a little bit. And so as you're building this out, you realize that there are a lot of function, a lot of things going on in the park. So you want to build a Jurassic World park that has dinosaurs. So you got to build an incubation lab. And within this incubation lab, you got to build a fence. Or not within. You have to build a fence that includes the incubation lab. That way, when you have a dinosaur you're ready to release, it's released in that fenced enclosure. And each dinosaur has different uh, metrics. And I will, I will actually get into that in just a little bit. Um, however, so aside from building a park that is also a scientific exploration for your guests, looking at dinosaurs, you also want to make money. And this is where a lot of these divisions come in, right? Uh, except for the science division, but the, definitely the entertainment division, they care about making money. And the head of the park, Habit Finch, cares about making money because it's a park, you want to make money. And it, there are different types of buildings you can build to make money in this game. So for example, you build your incubation lab, you build up your, you build up your fences, you build up all these places that, you know, you, you, you want all your dinosaurs to be, but then you also have other things. Like for example, you want to build a gift shop, right? You want to make some money. So you put a gift shop down or you want to make a clothes shop, which is different from a gift shop and still brings in more money. Then you build that somewhere as well. There's also fast food buildings, restaurant buildings, and hotel buildings, which are gigantic because you know, this is a theme park and you want your guests to be as close to the action as possible to make some money. So you build up a hotel or two or three, depending on your space. And the hotels actually tell you when there's overcrowding. So when there's overcrowding, you kind of want to build another hotel. And then you got other entertainment things for your guests, like a bowling alley and an arcade. And I don't know if anyone saw Jurassic World. Uh, I mean, you guys probably did. There is like an area called the Fossil Zone where kids can come in and just dust, uh, basically excavate for for fossils. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I did it as a kid at a um, science fair or science center once. I forget, I'm forgetting when it was. Um, but yeah, you can build that. And for every one of these things, minus the hotels, you can set different prices. So for example, um, I'm trying to think, there is a, a, in a restaurant by default, I'm sorry for fast food, by default, you're selling these, these things called dino bites. 
and Dinobytes, they cost you, it tells you, they're costing you $4 per pack. Well, you can, and they're selling it by default for six bucks. So you make $2 profit, right? However, you can bump up those prices. And it's it's actually pretty funny because the more people you have in your park, um, the more they're okay with you bumping them prices. Uh, it's really interesting and it's a really interesting mechanic. So when I first start, started up the game and I bumped up a $6 Dinobytes to $12, not a lot of people bought it. However, when I waited for the park to become more popular, because there is a rating system, um, five-star rating system, when it became more popular and there was more, much more guests, they were very tolerant to how high it can get. And in each of these locations, the gift shop, the clothes shop, restaurants, there are different things you can actually sell. So for the gift shop, there's a lot of callbacks to the original. You can sell Barbasol, the, the shaving cream, and also uh, you can also sell night vision goggles. So the, those two were in the original Jurassic Park and uh, they each cost differently and you can sell them for different prices. And it's it's actually pretty fun um, if you're into like business simulation type of games, because this is where a lot of the money comes in and money is a huge thing in the game. And I have often found myself in the black because I'm not, not in the black, in the red because I just didn't have money. So let's talk about different aspects of the game. So I talked about the dinosaur part and I did talk about the um, the resort area experience type of park. So I'm going to talk about the systematic, the pragmatic, programmatic um, stuff in the park. So for example, there is, oh, actually one more thing, going back to the entertainment things. When you build a large enough herbivore station, herbivore enclosure, hopefully it's herbivore unless you want to be crazy, you can actually build out a, a gyro station, which if you guys seen the last few movies, there's those, there, there, those are those, uh, kind of circular ball things that the brother, the two brothers get in in, the, in Jurassic World and they're just like touring around being super close to dinosaurs. You can actually build that and it's it's pretty cool. You can decide a path for them to go on or you can make them free roaming. Um, however, I would be an, uh, I would be crazy to put that in a, an enclosure that has uh, carnivores. I didn't. I wanted to see what would happen, but I really didn't. <laughs> so moving on to the more uh, programmatic stuff in the park. So obviously when you're running this sort of park and your dinosaurs can get out, you're gonna wanna like build emergency shelters just in case. And emergency shelters beef up your rating of the park. Um, aside from that, there is an expedition center. So to get more, uh, to get more fossils and get more dinosaurs, you have to send out an expedition team to a site to uncover fossils and get DNA um, and the fossils that are retrieved have different ratings. For example, a regular fossil has like a one star rating, which means you'll get a percentage of the genome of the dinosaur you're looking at. So for a Stegosaurus, uh, you get a fossil, it's like a one star. So maybe your percentage of the genome goes up by one or 2%. However, if you find Amber, like in the original Jurassic Park with, uh, with uh, I believe his name was Hammond, uh, he had that mosquito and amber on his on his cane. So if you find that, it's like a four star, which is the highest for a fossil, and your your, uh, your genome percentage goes up like five to ten percent. Um, and for each dinosaur, you have to keep researching more. I mean, ex ex expeditioning, expediting more and more fossils of the same kind until you get a one hundred percent genome. You can incubate a dinosaur at fifty percent genome. However, they can actually die during incubation. And if you get it up to 100% genome, they're not only cheaper to incubate, um, the chances of survival are greatly, greatly increased. So it's pretty cool. Um, now for your incubation center, for your expedition center, 
you need a fossil center. And in the fossil center, that's where they actually analyze the fossils for DNA samples. So it's a really interesting system they got on here. And uh, aside from those two, you have a research center. And in the research center, things can get pretty cool. Uh, for example, your dinosaurs can get sick and you need to research, uh, you need to dispatch someone to a ranger pretty much to medicate them. However, if you don't have the, uh, the appropriate vaccine for whatever disease they have, then you're out of luck and your dinosaurs can die. So in the research station, you actually research, among other things, um, medical, medical stuff, uh, mainly vaccines. Each dinosaur has a different um, disease that they can be um, inflicted with, like avian flu or smallpox or whatever. And if you don't research the, the, the vaccine, then they can die. And if they die, they can spread the disease and also they can um, it lowers the satisfaction of the park, it lowers the comfort of the uh, the dinosaurs, and it can turn into a big mess. In the, in the research center, you can also research new buildings. Uh, for example, there is a monorail system. You can actually build a monorail that goes out for the whole park. You just gotta research the capability first. The same thing goes for the gyro station and for a couple other things as well. And probably the biggest thing that you can do in the research center is research um, genome hacking. So let's say I want to build a T-Rex who has an aggressive instincts um, genome. I can research that and when I incubate the T-Rex, I can actually say, hey, I want to incubate this T-Rex, but I want to change out a couple of its DNA strands and include aggressive instincts. Why would you do that? I don't know, but you can. And you can also research, um, you know, brain aging so you can make the dinosaurs live longer. You can research a lot of different DNA modifications. And it is something that is pretty awesome, um, but it can get insanely dangerous and also very expensive because the more genome modifications you have on a dinosaur, the more expensive they get. And then finally, what happens when everything goes to hell, pretty much? What happens when a fence is broken? What happens when your dinosaurs are, are uh, sick? Or what happens when your dinosaurs are going crazy and killing everyone? Enter the ACU center, the acid containment unit center, and the ranger station. So the acid containment unit center is essentially what it sounds. Um, when a dinosaur is getting a little crazy and is killing people or killing others, uh, other dinosaurs, you dispatch the ACU to actually um, uh, fire tranquilizer darts at it. And from then you can either put it back in its in an enclosure safely, making sure its comfort is 100% so it doesn't get out, or sell it. Uh, or, or sell it to sell the dinosaur. You also dispatch the ACU center when there's a dead dinosaur that needs to be removed. And in the ACU center, it's a helicopter that's shooting from above and you can actually control it. You do this one or two ways. You can tell them to do the thing you want them to do, or you can control them and actually try your hand at aiming at the dinosaur and shooting it. So it's pretty cool. Um, there is a couple nitpicks like this that I think are pretty awesome. Um, you can even modify these centers to have different, um, like better accuracy, so you don't have to bother, or better uh, tasking, etc. There's a limit to how many tasks each of these things could have, and that could be a huge limit when everything, you know, goes to hell. The ranger station, um, basically, the ranger station is those jeeps that you see in the movies, right? And uh, they actually have different skins for both the helicopters and the ranger stations, and you can actually get the original 1994 skins from the original movie which is pretty cool um anyways the ranger station uh, is dispatched to fix things so if a building is damaged by a storm or damaged by a dinosaur uh you send them out to fix it if a dinosaur is sick you send them out to vaccinate um 
it's it's really interesting um, having the ranger station there and you can actually control the jeep from a first person perspective if you want or you can just tell them to do the thing you want them to do and uh, you can also take pictures uh, of the dinosaurs with a ranger station and at that point you kind of have to do the uh, the first person view which is pretty cool all right so i mentioned there's a storyline to this and there is um it's it's really interesting essentially each island has a set of goals uh, three set of goals and each goal is attributed to the science division entertainment division and security division once you visit all three all five islands and complete all three of these goals you win the game and these goals and islands get different as the game goes on so i don't remember the challenges right now but i can speak to the islands so the first island super easy um hardly anything happens and it's it's a walk in the park and once you hit three star rating on every one of these islands, you unlock the next island. So the next island, I don't remember too much. However, there were different sets of challenges. So in the first island, you start out with a lot of money, right? And if you mess up, fixing it isn't gonna cost you. In the second island, you start with less money and things are already a little messed up. Uh, you have a couple of buildings that were just given to you, but they're not connected to a power source. You don't have any dinosaurs, you don't have anything. And in another island, for example, it's frequent to storms. And in this island, there's a storm that happens like every half an hour. And if you're not careful uh, with your placement of storm defense shelters or storm defense units um, that protect buildings from storms, if you're not careful, a cyclone can actually form and destroy your buildings. This includes your fences, which means your dinosaurs can get out while there are people in the park. And if you don't have a, uh, for example, a uh, emergency shelter set up, they're just going to be out there during the hurricane or during the cyclone and people are going to die and you're going to lose a ton of money. And whenever some of these events happens, you lose a ton of money, your profit per minute goes down and recuperating it is going to take some time. Um, I found myself restarting islands, which you can, you can restart an island from the very beginning though. Um, I found myself, myself restarting islands multiple times because they were way too hard. Another island that you did start out with gave you almost nothing of money and expected you to uh, to make the, the, the island work, essentially. And the thing is, the thing is, you need to get all these islands into a respectable income before you can even begin on your, your missions for the entertainment, security, and science division. And as you're going on through the game, if you have a preference to one division over the other, the other divisions can actually enact sabotage. So there were a couple times where I was on a different island um, and out of nowhere, all the gates to all the enclosures just opened. And when this happens, you got to send your ranger team to go reboot the gates manually. Uh, however, it's pretty crazy because that means someone sabotaged whatever mission you're working on. So if you're working on the science mission, it could have been the security entertainment division who did this sabotage. And then there is another island that hardly has any workable space. And this island was probably the toughest for me um, simply because there was hardly any workable space and they wanted me to do a lot of things in order to make them happy. And finally, there is Isla Nublar. There's Isla Nublar, and I'm forgetting the name of the last one. Um, but in Jurassic World 2, Lost Kingdom, they go to Site B, if anyone's seen those movies. 
Site B was the location of the backup dinosaurs of the extra park that they were going to build before everything went to hell in the first movie. And you actually go to this island and it's pretty cool because there are buildings there and there are a ton of dinosaurs already there just roaming. So they, they, they took back the land and it's, it's really interesting and you got to make it work and I thought the island was a lot of fun. And finally, you do get to Isa Nublar. However, Isa Nublar, the game sort of is just rewarding you. Uh, there are five islands plus Nublar and in the five islands there are different tasks you got to do. There are different um, there are different things going on. So like mm, restrictions, like more storms and stuff like that. However, Isla Nublar is the very definition of a sandbox. In Isla Nublar, you can do anything you want to do. Money is unlimited. There's no challenges. You just let your imagination roam free. And you actually get that pretty early on in the game, and it's it's designed to help you unlock the rest of the stuff in the game so you can finish the, the rest of the islands. So it's pretty cool. Now, one thing I haven't spoken about, I did speak about the uh, uh, the guest interactions, building the park, making money, and closures. Um, there are different types of fences, right? There's uh, electric fence, concrete, etc. But the one thing I haven't talked about is the type of dinosaurs. So Jurassic World has a ton of dinosaurs for you to choose from. Obviously, you need to go out there and have your expedition team receive the fossils and then, you know, then um, receive get the genome out of the fossils using the fossil center. Um, however, there are over 20 plus dinosaurs, and they're almost all the ones you see in the movies. Essentially, um, obviously, you got your uh, Brachiosaurus, the really long one, the herbivore. And then you got your T-Rex. You got your Ceratosaurus, I believe it's what it's called, the other one that looks like a T-Rex but smaller. And obviously, as a unlockable that you can get um, in the game, you can get the uh, Indoraptor, which is from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and the Indominus Rex, which is from Jurassic World. And each of these dinosaurs have different metrics. So for example, I'm going to grab the T-Rex right now, I'm online, and I'm just gonna talk about its different statistics and different things to keep it happy. So each of these uh, dinosaurs have a bio. They have like a sort of a characteristics that this animal likes. And this is all accessed from when you incubate and release, you can actually select every of your every one of your dinosaurs. You can actually rename them. I name all my uh, my Tyrannosaurus rexes after Powerpuff Girls, right? So there's a lot of buttercups, and because I think it's hilarious having the the beefiest dinosaur in the in the kingdom having a girly name. And essentially, I'm going ahead and read the bio for you guys. Um, they are normally solitary, hunt both large and small prey over a wide territory, happily coexist with a good number of other dinosaur species. Um, the T-Rex prefers large areas of open grassland for its territories. So that's that. Uh, that's the thing I'm talking about. If it's comfort, if any of the dinosaurs comforts are not up to 100% or at least above their breaking point, they're gonna get angry. And for a T-Rex, it says here that their threshold is 85%. So if it drops below 85%, and they'll tell you in, in, in the game, if you click on any dinosaur, it'll tell you their satisfaction, their comfort. It'll tell you how they feel about the food, water, how they feel about the, uh, 
the grassland, the forest, the population, you know, the population of their own enclosure and the social. Social is really interesting because social is different from population as in I like to have other people who are like me. So if a stegosaurus is by itself, they're gonna get pretty angry. However, if a stegosaurus is with five other stegosauruses, they're gonna be completely fine. Um, so the game tells you their ideal population and their ideal social group, essentially. Um, and it tells you like grassland and forestry. Now, for example, if I put a T-Rex in a small enclosure with nothing but forest, it's gonna get out pretty quickly and it doesn't like the forest. So it will be very angry, gonna break out of the fence, and I will have to send out the ACU team to tranquilize, the ranger team to fix the fence, and hopefully in that time, it doesn't kill anyone. And then I don't lose money, pretty much. Um, so, and also it, every dinosaur is uh, immune to a disease and susceptible to, to a disease. So that is, that is something I did talk about a little a few minutes ago, so keep that in mind when you incubate a new dinosaur. As for me, one of the favorite enclosures that I had when I was playing this game was a huge, and I mean huge, enclosure for herbivores. Because herbivores have a higher population uh, requirement, they, uh, they have a tolerance for huge groups. Um, so I had two Brachiosauruses with like 10 Triceratops, maybe a couple Stegosauruses in there. And it's just this huge population and it's, it's amazing. And as long as you keep them fed, um, give them some water and also make sure that their grassland and forestry things are matched. Oh, and obviously their social groups are matched. They're not going to get out. And uh, I've had a few instances where there was a sabotage and someone opened up the gates to this herbivore enclosure and they just didn't care because that's not in their nature. However, I will say this, if a carnivore is in an enclosure and they're 100% happy and the gate opens, they're gonna get out for reasons. I guess they just like to kill people. So keep that in mind. And you get money by how visible these dinosaurs are. So you can build viewing galleries for the, uh, the guests to get really close to the action and just view from a uh, enclosed location. You can get a viewing, um, forgetting what it's called, a stand, like a viewing, like it, it looks like a really tall building um, that you can just view from the bottom. Like you can view from the top bottom. Um, you can build a couple of those. And the more visible your dinosaurs are, the more money you get because the more people are gonna go to the park to see the dinosaurs. And obviously you can build the gyrospheres, which is what I spoke about earlier, where you can have the, the people just roam through the actual enclosure in a protective ball, pretty much. And I had that in herbivore enclosures. Um, as long as it wasn't like too small essentially and uh, i really enjoyed that um i thought that was pretty cool just making sure that everyone is happy everyone's enjoying it um and i'm making money pretty much all right um i want to say that's about it guys i so i spoke about the game the different mechanics different buildings how everything interacts with each other and i didn't speak too much on the dinosaurs only because all the ones i did list are there and i do not want to sound like a moron and mispronounce all these crazy names for dinosaurs uh however if you're into roller coaster tycoon if you're into planet coaster if you're into just world building games and you love jurassic park or you like jurassic park i totally recommend buying this game this game i picked it up maybe for an hour or two here and there maybe half an hour um, because as you're playing the game, you can do different quests for the different divisions, which makes them like you. And then that actually gets you the actual mission. So you got to make them like you first and then they'll do the, they'll give you the mission. Um, it's a challenging game and it's also a lot of fun. 
And before I sign off here, I just want to say that this game, uh, Jurassic World Evolution, is available for the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC. So if you have any of those, um, it's available on Steam. So if you, if you have any of those, feel free to grab it. Right now, and I will include a, uh, a link in the description, right now you can, you can find it on Amazon for about 60 bucks. So it hasn't really gone down in price. Um, however, it might for Black Friday, or maybe if you just want to buy it, go ahead and buy it. I bought the deluxe version, which cost me $70. Um, and in the deluxe version, you basically just get extra dinosaurs from the movies. Uh, there are a couple dinosaurs from Jurassic World 2 and 3. They're not included by default in the game. Uh, you you get these by buying the, uh, the actual uh, DLC or the expansion or the deluxe edition. And then you got to send out your in, in expedition teams to actually go unearth these fossils. Um, but you do get more dinosaurs, is what I'm saying. And uh, the more variety you have, the better it is for your park and for your guests. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Again, if you have any sort of comments on this episode or you have any sort of suggestions on future episodes, feel free to send me an email. Um, you can, I, am, I can be contacted at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com or tweet at me at GAC underscore podcast. Uh, I'm always checking that. I'm always checking the email as well. So if you guys send me anything on those two mediums, I will definitely get it as soon as, as, soon as you do. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, I am including a new uh, feature, the background music. I don't know if anyone's heard it. Uh, so I did some research on just different music I like to have on and I contacted the different artists. And so Canty, who made this song that you're hearing right now called Human Music, uh, gave me permission to go ahead and uh, let you guys hear this. Um, so I might keep this as a routine thing. There's a link to their SoundCloud profile below uh, in the description. So be, be sure to check that out if you're interested, if you like this sort of music. And um, next week or the next podcast episode, I will be speaking about probably Spider-Man. I have not decided yet. So again, if anyone has any sort of suggestions, please let me know. Um, I do not like to review games that I have not finished, which is why I am trying not to do a review game because I really don't want to expedite a game, even if I have the time. So let me know what you guys think. All right. Thank you for listening. This was Gaming After College, and this is your host, Manny. Thank you.